which is the well of the that we find ourselves in. So the Nikra Bechinat So this love, this yearning for Hashem, is called Bechinat Shuvah. This is the level that's called Teshuvah. And again, it's not Teshuvah for sin, it's Teshuvah for living in the world that we live in, which is constantly taking us away from Hashem. So returning to the truth of who we are. Which is with greater intensity, because it comes specifically from the darkness. And it's the example I always bring of a Balta Shuvah versus a Tzaddik, right? A Tzaddik's love is motivated by having. He has God and therefore he loves God. That's running towards the prize, right? As opposed to a Balta who's motivated, his love is motivated by running away from sin, right? Which is like the fire behind him. Who's going to run faster? The Balta Shuvah, the one who's the one who's got the fire behind him, who knows what it's like to actually be far. So this love is even stronger, specifically because it comes from darkness, specifically because we've set aside time to focus on our love of God and our relationship with him in prayer, despite the fact that we're surrounded by darkness and distraction and challenge throughout our day. Shahaya Osik Rak Yanim Gashmi, and because throughout the day he is focusing only on physical matters, the Hevle Olam and the nothingness of the world. Because the advantage of light, it's the advantage of light that comes specifically from darkness, which is a quote that you'll see throughout Chasidus. The advantage of light that comes specifically from darkness. The Nikra Avazu, and this love is also called with all of your might, which we say every single day when we speak about the commandment to love Hashem, right? We have a commandment to love Hashem. That you should love Hashem, your God. With all your heart. With all your soul. With all your might. And Hasidus explains that these loves are going in order. So is the lowest level of love. Levavcha has two bets which represents the animal soul and the godly soul that we need to love Hashem not only with our godly soul but with our animal soul and our physical lives as well, the called nafshecha, with all of our soul, with everything that we have, all of our powers, and the kol mo'adecha is with all of our might, and it's explained that that is referring to, to the point of Mesirat Nefesh, to the point that we love Hashem so much that we're going to give our entire life over to Hashem. So this level of bechol mo'adecha is representative of the highest level of love that we can possibly reach, as it says, shehu mamash, this is literally infinite. It's an infinite love. And how can we reach the infinite love of the Kol Hipuch. It comes specifically from the opposite of holiness, which is from darkness. As we see, it's a very interesting quote um, that it says on Breshit. It says, Tov ze malach chayin. When Hashem says that he saw that the world was good, this is referring to the angel of life. Tov Ma'od, when it says about that Hashem th- thought that his work with Tov Ma'od was very good, this is the angel of death. So what is this referring to here? It explains that the angel of life, life, goodness, light, revelation, is good. Hashem saw that it was good. What did Hashem see that was very good? The angel of death. What does that mean? Not the angel of death itself, but the overcoming and the overpowering of the angel of death. The conquering of the darkness is what Hashem sees as Tov Ma'od as very good. That specifically through the opposite of holiness and through darkness, which comes about through the animal soul, only through that are we able to reach a love 
of the Komo, the highest love of Hashem we can reach, which is literally without any, um, without any limitation whatsoever. And now the Altar is going to explain the Haskalah behind it, the process, spiritually. Why is it? How is it possible that the most physical, mundane things, that, when we, again, when we say darkness, we don't mean literal darkness, we mean concealment of Hashem's revelation and light. How can that lead us to the highest love? How can that lead us to the highest places? So it's going to explain this concept called Tohu, the world of Tohu. Has anyone heard of the world of Tohu? Yeah? So it's going to explain to us that actually the highest lights fall to the lowest places. That's the rule. So the lower something looks and appears down here, the more it conceals godliness, the higher its spiritual source. And so now the altar will explain another aspect of the advantage of being in this world, not just from overcoming darkness, but from the spiritual source of the darkness itself. So we see this advantage. Because in its source way up on high, the source of our animal soul and our physical lives, is even higher from the source of our godly soul. We're on page 18, um, first paragraph. Okay, so that's a very, again, this is a, a very bold statement that the animalistic urges, drives, and tendencies that we struggle with are actually sourced in a much higher godly spiritual place than our godly soul, which is constantly bound and one and desiring Hashem. As it says, as it says in Bereshit, the Eile Hamalachim, these are the kings, Asher Malchu, the Melech Adam, these were the kings that ruled in Edom. Before they ruled a king, Lebnei Yisrael, to the Jewish people. Which is referring to the godly soul. So there's a pasuk that's talking about the kings that ruled in the land of Canaan before the Jewish kings ruled. And it says, these are the kings that ruled before the Jewish people. Which is referring to the kings that ruled before is the animal soul. That ruled before the Jewish kings is referring to the godly soul. That's the source of the idea that the source of the animal soul is actually higher than the source of the godly soul. As it says here, Edom is another name for Esav. This is referring to the kings of Edom, <coughs> Yaakov's brother who represents the world of Tohu, as opposed to Yaakov who represents the world of Tikkun. So let's speak a little bit. You guys looked familiar with the concept of Tohu. Let's speak about it for a second. Um, when we speak about worlds, we're usually speaking about the spiritual worlds of Atzilut, Bria, Yetzirah, and Asiya, the four spiritual worlds. Right, but Hasidus and Kabbalah explains to us, and the Arizal was really the, at the forefront of, exp- of explaining this idea of Tayo, that there was a world before even the world of Atzilus. Uh, we spoke about Simtum Arishon, right? Remember we spoke about that? After Simtum Arishon, the possibility for worlds came into existence. The possibility for the light and the vessels to be separate entities, for vessels and limitation and Hashem's power to limit himself came forward after the symptom Arishan that we spoke about. And before Hashem made the world of Atzilot, there were many other worlds. One of them is called the world of Nikudim. Nikudim comes from the word Nikuda. What does a Nikuda mean? A dot, a point. In the world of Nikudim, which is known as the world of Tohu, of chaos, there were ten spherot. And these ten spherot had the same names as we know them, and they were light that were shining into vessels, but they existed... Co- completely independently one from the other, like dots, as opposed to the world of Tikkun. Tikkun means the world of rectification, where the 
where spherot exist in an order, right? And they exist with a structure and with a hierarchy. The spherot, as they existed in the world of Toh, there was no hierarchy whatsoever. So it was dots. Each one existed completely separate and independent from the other. So here we know that Chochmah is sourced in Keter. Keter gives birth to Chochmah, so to speak. Keter has the potential for Chochmah within it and then brings about Chochmah. And then Chochmah brings about Bina. Bina brings about Dat. There's a clear chain of events that's going on. And one sphere is actually coming from the, the sphere that precedes it and is giving to the sphere that comes afterwards. And there's the right channel, there's the left channel, and there's the middle channel. And we see that we know that we're made in this makeup, in this makeup of this order. So when we understand something, we usually had some sort of intuition or flash of insight before we started to understand it. And before we started to internalize the idea, we first made sense of it in Bina. We see the structure within ourselves, right? Usually Gvura, emotions of fear or emotions of love, we can trace them somewhere. We, can, we, can, we have a clear order of events. This is where this emotion or this characteristic came from. When it comes to the world of Tohu, each sphere literally came about on its own. It's not connected whatsoever with any other sphere, which is very difficult to understand. Um, because we, the spirit as we know them, they literally lead one into the other. Um, there's some examples that are brought in Hasidus for this idea. One of them is, um, that it's called a circle. The world of Tohu and the way that the spherot relates to each other within the world of Tohu is like a circle where there's no beginning and there's no end. There's no right, there's no left. There's just everything is kind of existing at the same time without a connection. And, um, an example I think that the Rabbi Rasha brings to explain this idea is, um, is the, the globe that you would think, he writes, you would think that the, we think we're on top of the globe right now, right? And spiritually, Eretz Yisrael is on the top, spiritually, but not actually. Um, so we would think that the people all the way underneath us, who's underneath us on the globe? I don't know. I always think Australia, but probably not. That they're going to fall off, right? Because how is it that we're standing upright and the people underneath us are standing upright? And that's the idea of the circle that who says you're, we're not the beginning. There's no beginning and there's no end. Um, and another example that's brought is the idea of how we can have an emotion or a thought that comes from our subconscious. So we don't see a clear pattern of how we came to that emotion or how we came to that thought. We just have that emotion or that thought because it came directly from our subconscious to our conscious without that clear process. Um, so these are just examples of this idea that basically every single sphere exists as its own infinite point in the world of Tohu. What happened when Hashem made this world? Famous story of what's called Shirat HaKelim, that the vessels broke. So in the world of Nakudim, in the world of Tohu, the light was very, very powerful. And the vessels were very powerful, but they weren't powerful enough to contain the light. And so when the light shone into the vessels, the vessels shattered from the force of the light, and they fell. They fell down into the worlds that came after Tohu, the world of Atsilot, the world of Bria, the world of Yitzira, and the world of Asiya. And every world got some of the shattered <coughs> vessels of Tohu, and whatever the world kind of discarded went down to the next world. So whatever Atsilot didn't take in went to Yitzira, went to us, and then came all the way down here. And so the lowest of the lowest of the, of the vessels, so to speak, of of Tohu, which is actually explained to be the highest of the highest, to the point that Atsilut couldn't, it didn't fit within the framework of Atsilut, it didn't fit within the framework of Bria, it fell all the way down here where there's no framework whatsoever. Um, these are the vessels that fell down here, and these are the source 
of Klippa. It's the source of darkness, challenge, and concealment of God. And then there's a the concept of the sparks. You guys heard of the sparks that we need to elevate Tikkun Olam? What's the idea of the sparks? That there was a residue of this infinite light from the world of Torah that clung to the vessels when they shattered, and that residue fell down as well, and that residue is called the sparks, the 288 sparks of Torah that fell down into this world. So the source of darkness and physicality and concealment of God is sourced in the world of Toh, which precedes even the world of Atzilut. It's a very, very high level. And that's the source of our nefesh abamit, of our animal soul, our tendencies and urges, and of the physicality around us, as opposed to our godly soul, which is explained that it's sourced in Atzilut. It's sourced in a lower place. And it says that <coughs> Moshe Rabbeinu was a soul of Tohu. Moshe Rabbeinu's soul comes from this world of Tohu, as well as uh, Hanoich. Have you guys heard of Hanoich? He was the great, great grandson of Adam Arishon. It tells us about him um, that he was a tofer min halim. His job was to um, make shoes and he was taken, he died young. I mean, relatively, he was like over 300 years old, but he was younger than everyone else who lived at the time because he was such a pure soul. Hashem didn't want him to become corrupt. So it says that Hanoich comes from this world of Tayo and Moshe Rabbeinu comes from this world of Tayo. And um, the idea of the world of Tayo, again, it's the source of the darkness of the Klippa and of Evil. The source of evil comes from Torah. Because the higher something starts off, the lower down it falls. That's the rule, right? The higher it is, when you drop it, the lower down it's going to fall. The, more of, the deeper it's going to penetrate. <coughs> so that's the idea here, that Kabbalistically we can now understand how a challenge, a challenge again, is a concealment of godliness. It's an impediment seemingly and an obstacle to serving God and to light and revelation and to our godly soul being expressed is actually coming from the highest place. And when we're able to overcome that challenge, confront the challenge, and use it as an opportunity to actually serve God even more, and to serve God with an even more powerful, unlimited love called Bekomo Odecha, in that place, we are able to do such a thing and reach the highest levels because they're sourced in the highest levels, and then we reveal their source. And so that's going back to what we said at the beginning of the Mimer, that the Mayim Rabbim actually cause an elevation in the godly soul. And we said, wait, how can the godly soul get an elevation? The godly soul comes from such a high spiritual lofty level. And the answer is because when it works together with the animal soul and it confronts the physicality around it, it actually reaches this place that's sourced in Tohu, which is higher than the source of the, of the godly soul. Okay, so it says this is the idea, we're on page 19, last paragraph. This is the idea of saying that the animal soul comes from the kings of Edom before the children of Israel. The animal soul derives its life in its original source from the world of Tohu. This is why it has so much passion and energy, but has a very hard time channeling it into holiness. This world of Tohu is called the kings of Edom, meaning the strength and power of the source of Asa of Edom in the world of Tohu. <coughs> this is the Hasidic interpretation of why Yaakov, sorry, Yitzchak, preferred Asa over Yaakov and wanted to give Asa the blessings. Because he saw that Esau was sourced in the world of Tov. Esau had a higher spiritual potential than Yaakov, but it wasn't able to be channeled correctly because we need Tikkun in order to actually channel spirituality. Tohu is a world of chaos. And Rivka is one who understood that and had the blessings kind of switched and, 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 and gone to, to Yaakov. But that is why you know, Yitzchak wasn't just fooled by Esau. He sensed that Esau's spiritual source and potential is actually much, much more powerful than Yaakov's. Unfortunately, he didn't, he didn't live up to that, though. This is called before there was a ruling king for the children of Israel. 
since the light of Toh is on a higher level, before the level of Tikkun, which is called a ruling king for the children of Israel. Since Yisrael, Yaakov, and his children are sourced in the world of Tikkun. So Yaakov, Yisrael, which is the source and the name, as we've said many times, for the, for the godly soul, is sourced in the world of Tikkun, the world of order, which is from the world of Atzilot. Okay, so Raksha al-Yadeh Kelim. What happened? That through the breaking of the vessels from the world of Toh, Naflu Lamatamata, they fell very, very low. These sparks of godliness and these vessels of godliness that were infinite and powerful fell very low. As it says, and these kings, which is referring to the level of Toh, they ruled Bayamat and they died. They ruled for a period of time and then they um, actually ended up shattering the vessels because the vessels couldn't contain the light and they fell all the way down into the lowest of the lowest of the world, which is our world. Aval Bashar Sham, so even though they fell very low in their, in their source, however, Heim Lamala Mala, they're way higher, Mipchinat Nefesh Elokit, from our godly soul. Velazot, and therefore, Gam Kamoshenaflu Lamata, just as we see that they fell down here, Yeshlahim Tikborat, they actually have an advantage and a power, Al Nefesh Elokit, over our godly soul. Because their source is in this level of kings, of royalty, which is a level of elevation. So our, our animal soul is sourced in a higher spiritual place than our godly soul. So when we're able to transform our animal soul, work together with it, and have the godly soul work together hand in hand, it schleps the godly soul up to the source of the animal soul, which is higher than the source of the godly soul and higher than the godly soul can ever reach if it had not worked together with the animal soul. And we see this play out in our own lives. We see this idea that the lower something is the higher its source. And this example that's brought for how we see that is that human beings are the highest, most spiritual of all beings, right? We're higher than insects, we're higher than animals, we're higher than plants, we're the most sophisticated, we're the most godly. And um, however, in order for us to stay alive, we are dependent on things that are lower than us, right? In order for a human being to stay alive, it needs to eat plants and it needs to eat animals. In order for an animal to stay alive, it doesn't need human beings. In order for a plant to exist, it doesn't need human beings. So there's a strange occurrence where the lowest things were actually the most dependent upon. And this goes back to the same idea because the source of these lowest, seemingly mundane, uh, useless things that exist in the world are sourced in such a high place that we're dependent on them to give us life that we can't get on our own. So as we know, domem, domem means inanimate objects. Um, I think water, water falls into the domain of domem, right? And we're, we're dependent upon water literally for survival. Someath is plants, that's the next level. We're dependent upon plants to live as well. Chaya is the next level as animals. We're dependent upon animals to live as well. And if you look at the other way around, water doesn't need us. Water doesn't need human beings, right? Animals don't need human beings and, and plants don't need human beings to, to grow. So we see this actually play out in the real world, the idea that the source of the lowest things is so powerful that we actually are dependent upon them. So let's see that inside, <coughs> page 20. <coughs> the Gamha Adam, so also a person, Makabal Chayut, receives his life force from animals and other food. And without them, he's not able to live. So as spiritual and powerful as his life is, it doesn't, it's not able to be sustained without the help of animals and plants. 
Masha'en ken, on the other hand, we see hamachalim, that food, enam tzrachim et adam, el adam, they are not dependent on, on people. But kolzen, all of this is, mipne because, shebesharsham in their source, sharsham lamala, their source very, very high above, hem gvohim harbe, and they're much, much higher, and taller and bigger, mipchinat hanashamad, than our soul. So as high as our soul is, physicality is sourced in an even higher level. The darker something is, the higher its source. V'lezot, and therefore, through the godly soul, specifically investing itself, specifically into a physical body, and working together with the animal soul, and it becomes involved in the challenges, and the thoughts, of making a living, being and dealing with all sorts of physical things, shehem hanekrayim mayim rabim hanal, which are called the many waters that we mentioned above, haniskar lael, yechola lavo, the godly soul is able to reach lebchinat avat bechol moadecha, a love that is called bechol moadecha, the highest love that a person can possibly, that a soul can achieve for God, an infinite love, shehu it's infinite kanal, as we mentioned above. Why is this the case? Shehima drega hayoter It's able to reach this very high level. Miyotem kodem tabaguf, an even higher level than it was on before it descended into the body. Shehaiterak nenit mizivashchina, because there it was only enjoying from the rays of the shchina. So usually we say it in the positive that what's the soul doing? It's enjoying from the rays of the shchina. Here we're saying it was only enjoying from the rays of the Shekinah. There's something much higher than that, more infinite and more powerful, a level. And that level can only be reached when the godly soul works together with the animal soul, confronts the challenges of the physical world and deals with the physicality. And how do we do that? It says, how do we specifically have the godly soul work together with the animal soul so that they can both reach this love of Bekoma Odecha, an infinite love? Bahainu, this is accomplished. Al-Yadeh is through what's called bending, the ishapcha and overpowering and transforming dafka, the darkness specifically. So iskafia is the idea that we don't give in to the darkness. We bend the darkness. We say, I don't believe that you're the truth and I believe that God is the truth. And so it's reining ourselves in and holding ourselves back. And ishapcha is actually taking that very darkness and showing the light that exists within it and showing that it's actually, its truth is actually God. And what, what does this accomplish? What does our iskafia and ishapcha accomplish? As we said above, this is the advantage of light that comes from darkness. Um, any questions or comments so far? Good, we're clear? Uh, can I ask, how do you translate proof nun vomit like this? So it's an abbreviation for kaniskar. Kaniskar means as was mentioned, and then lael, above. Kaniskar Lael, as was mentioned above. So it finishes off with, this, with the same idea on page 21. The Fisha Sharsham Lamaila, because the source of physicality, of challenges, and of darkness is above, is very high up. It's even higher than the source of the godly soul, Kanal, as we mentioned above. Rak, however, they only fell down here. So they fell into a shell, into a klipa that makes it look dark and that conceals the truth. But when we reveal the truth of the darkness, we reveal, 
we reveal its very high source, and when we do that, we raise up not only the animal soul, but the godly soul as well. As is written, that they ruled, the kings of Edom ruled, the animal soul ruled, and they died, that the vessels shattered and fell very, very low. And specifically, through confronting the darkness and not giving into the darkness and not believing the facade that the darkness is telling us, which is that God isn't here and God doesn't exist. When we see through that, we cause what's called a resurrection of the dead. We resurrect those sparks that fell so low and we return them back to their original source. So in last month we learned that we are partners in creation. Yeshma'ai and I were learning that we can do triatamitim. We can bring things from the dead to the living. We take these sparks that, so to speak, died and these vessels that crashed and fell and broke and we repair them. That's the whole idea of what's called tikkun olam that uh, people, like to, people like to talk about. It's the idea of, of confronting the darkness, revealing the truth that Hashem is behind the darkness. When we do that, we're extracting the highest levels of godliness that we're only able to exist down here because of the darkness. Because again, when we have light, light gives a certain structure and it can't contain everything within it. So the vessels fell first to Atzilut, but Atzilut wasn't able to fit these tremendous lights into its framework. So then it fell lower and lower and lower until it came to the chaos of this world and it found a home down here. And so when we're able to work through the chaos and to take time and set aside time to realize the truth, which is that Hashem is everything, and to cultivate a personal relationship with Hashem, we, what's, we bend and transform the darkness and reveal the sparks that are hidden behind it. And we raise not only our animal soul up, but our godly soul as well. Okay, so let's continue with part three. If anyone has any questions, let me know, any comments. Now we're going to introduce the idea of, back to the idea of the ark. We're going to see how this plays into the flood, the story of Noah, and this parallel of what we've been discussing. I have a question, actually. Sure. Um, to the idea that, that somebody has to work with their animal soul in order to get to a higher level, how does that, like, I know that, like, Sadiqim, like, basically have to defeat their animal soul, right? So... Sadiqim have defeated their animal soul. Yeah. So... Is this like the part when people say that um, any like lower, anyone lower than like a tzaddik is actually technically in a way like higher because like they're working with it? Like, is that, could that potentially be where that comes from? That is where it comes from. Okay. The idea of um, the advantage that Balei Tshuva have over tzaddik, and there's a quote, there's a quote <coughs> that says um, that Balei Tshuva, the place where a Balei Tshuva stands, a tzaddik cannot stand in that place. So the potential that a Balchuva has, that he's able to, the level he's able to reach is a level that the Tzaddik can't reach. Yeah. Because again, the Tzaddik is motivated by what he has and the Balchuva is motivated by what he wants. And, and wanting is much more powerful than having. That said, Tzaddikim are extremely necessary and yeah. um, so it's just, they have a completely different avoda in this world. Yeah. And Hasidus focuses mainly, there are places where it speaks about the job and the role of a Tzaddik and it says that Mashiach is going to teach tzaddikim how to do teshuvah. Um, so there's a place for that as well. And we can imagine if a tzaddik does teshuvah, just how tremendous and powerful that is. Um, but, you know, the Tanya, for example, which is the basis of Chabad Hasidus, and most of the teachings of the Alter Rebbe are dealing with what's our role as people who do have an animal soul and who are challenged by that. 
um, the Alter Rebbe did also write a book called Sefer HaTzadikim, which was like the parallel to Sefer HaBenonim for Tzadikim. This is, so Sefer HaBenonim, the Tanya as we know it, is this is what a Benonim, this is what an average human, an average Jew's job is in this world. And he wrote a book for Tzadikim saying this is what the Tzadik's role is. But it, it ended up getting burnt. We don't have access to it. Um, I don't think we'd understand a word of it anyway. But why did it get burnt? There was a fire. There was a fire in the Alter Rebbe's house. So inter- have you guys heard of the Shpaler Zayda? Shpaler Zayda. Um, I don't remember the Shpaler Zayda's name. <laughs> That's embarrassing. Ro- something Rosen, I think, was his last name. To check what the Shpaler Zayda's name was. He was a big tzaddik at the time of the Alter Rebbe. He was a friend of the Alter Rebbe. One of the students of the Magid. And he, um, the, there's a story told that the Alter Rebbe actually gave him, he was a tzaddik, and he gave him this book to read. Sefer Tzadikim. And then the Alter Rebbe asked him, you know, when he returned, he said, what, what do you think? And he said, um, this book is not, not for this world. <laughs> it's not for this world. However, I want the schus that, uh, that I, I want when I go up to Ganeda, I want to go up with the smoke of this book. Um, and what ended up, this interesting story that it ended up getting burnt. No one burnt it on purpose. There was times when the Alter Rebbe burnt his house. He didn't want Napoleon, he didn't want Napoleon to have any, any of his physical possessions. He burnt everything that he had and he got rid of everything because Napoleon, I guess, knew just what a tzaddik he was and having access to his physical possessions, I don't know, maybe would have given him some advantage and the Alter Rebbe was very against Napoleon. Um, so there were times where he did burn his things on purpose. But this time there was a fire that was not on purpose. There was a fire in the home and it destroyed this book. And the Shpalazeta died at the same time that this book was actually burned, that the fire happened. He actually ended up ascending to heaven at this time. So it's very interesting. Um, there's lots of interesting stories, like different stories with the book of the Tzadikim. Um, there was a book that was in the library of the Alter Rebbe that on the cover page, before you even read the book, it said, do not read this book, and like all the curses that will happen to somebody who reads the book. And, um, and who part it? Who read the book? So then the, the Alter Rebbe once went to his son, the Mitzel Rebbe, and said, by the way, did you ever read this book? I think after it had been destroyed. And he said, what do you mean? Obviously not. Uh, it said all these like curses in the front. And the Alter Rebbe said to his son, where's your Messias Nefesh B'chassidus? So... So interesting, inter- some interesting stories with the Sefer and Tzadikim, but at the end of the day, Tzadikim have their own unique avoda, which is different to that of our own. But our own avoda, as you said, is um, the fact is that we have an animal soul and we're going to have an animal soul for the rest of our lives. And so we have to realize that actually working together with the animal soul, working together with all the challenges that come along with that as well, are the purpose of life and actually the purpose of the godly soul ever coming down into his body in the first place. Okay. Does would you say that that answers your question a little bit? Yeah. Okay. So if the animal soul is not something that needs to be defeated, like it's not like a bad part of ourselves, it's just something we need to like find that balance with? It just needs to be rechanneled. That's the idea. Okay. So there's urges and, you know, there are urges, all of the negative urges that we have and desires that we have and distractions come from the animal soul. But they're sourced the source of the desire of the animal soul is to serve God. So we have to redirect those urges and those desires towards Hashem. So it's, it's like a, it's a very emotional being, the animal soul, although there's also the intellectual aspect of the animal soul as well. Um, and when we're able to channel it and direct it towards Hashem, which is very, very, very difficult, 
It's not that difficult to channel the godly soul towards Hashem because that's its nature and its tendency. The animal soul, we're, we're, we're breaking its nature. We're turning it away from its initial impulses. But when we do that, we are, we are transforming it. So that's the, we're not supposed to kill our animal soul. Okay. That's, that's, that's not the... And would be right. We wouldn't be alive. But spiritually and metaphorically speaking as well, these urges and these tendencies and the physical world around us is not something to be to be shunned and put aside and try and run away from. Something we have to confront head on and work with. Okay. And that's, that's part of the process. And so when we speak about challenges, it's the challenge of living in a world with an animal soul that needs to be fed, that needs to be clothed, and the, the challenge of doing that, even on a basic level, again, not even on a, on a level of sin here, just on the basic level of survival, uh, when we actually work with the physicality around us to do that, while remembering the truth that Hashem is everything, we're raising up not only our animal soul and the physical world, but also our godly soul. Okay. And we speak about this more throughout the year as well, um, a little bit also more practically what that looks like in terms of what does it mean to reign in the animal soul versus to transform the animal soul. Um, so we do, we do get to that. And here we're going to get to now what, how this relates to the waters of the physical flood that actually happened in the story of Noah. And we'll see how this plays out. So we'll start with it today and we'll continue next week. Okay, so part number three. And this is explaining the famous quote of our sages, that it's preferable one moment, one hour, but tshuva, of tshuva, and good deeds, in this world. And again, tshuva doesn't necessarily mean returning from sin, but just returning from the distractions of the world as well. They are better than the entire world to come. As it explains, since specifically in this world, the divine soul can come to loving Hashem with all of its might, without limits, and receiving the light of Toh, hidden in the animal soul and physical objects, which is higher than the light of Tikkun, that the divine soul had in its source. This is why these Mayim Rabim, as we mentioned above, these many waters that represent our challenges are called May Noach. They're called the waters of Noach, the waters of rest. Because we create through these many waters, through these challenges, a restful, satisfied spirit and a deeper connection with Hashem. And this comes about through what's called the Ark of Noach, which is representative of the letters of Tefillah. So, the word teva means an ark, and the word teva means a letter, like a physical letter. And so the altar connects the two and says that the ark, that which saved Noah from the flood, that which saves us from getting lost in the flood of the challenges of living in the physical world, is what's called the teva, the ark, which is represented by the letters of tefillah, the letters of prayer. As it says in Parshat Noach, Hashem says to Noach, Bo ata, you come, and all your household, El Hateva, to the Teva. Come into the ark. But we can translate it also as come into the words, come into the letters, which make up words of prayer. So meaning that just like Noach had to come into the Teva to be protected from the great flood, 
and the teva was picked up by the waters. <coughs> so too a Jew must enter into the teva, words of prayer, to be protected from the material concerns taking over his mind and heart. And then these many waters will actually pick up his words of prayer to a higher level. So the idea is not to run away from the challenges and go and pray. The idea is that from the challenges, we remember to go and pray. And when we do that, the challenges that preceded the prayer raise our prayer up to a level it could never have reached without having lived in the physical world. So if we were living in a cave or being shepherds like some of our ancestors and not confronting the challenges of the physical world, our prayer doesn't reach the same level. It doesn't reach the same place because then prayer comes, again, from a place of having and not from a place of wanting. It comes from a place of light, not from a place of darkness. But when our prayer is preceded by dealing with the challenges of the physical world and we know that after we pray we go straight back into that and yet despite that we take the time to remember the truth and to work on our personal relationship with Hashem despite all the challenges, that prayer and that relationship is raised up. As we see, it says, and we see that the waters became very strong, Ma'od very strong. They rose to 15 Ama, Milamala from above, Govrohamayim, that the that the waters completely covered everything. And so we see the teva, which represents prayer, the refuge that Noah took, as the waters rose, as the challenges get stronger, what also rose? Noah. Noah, the teva was on top of the water. So sure, the water kept on rising and rising and rising to the point that it covered the, the highest. Teva? Pardon? What's the teva? The teva is the ark. Okay. So just as the ark rose higher and higher as the water rose up, right to the point, <coughs> that the highest mountaintop was covered with water, which means that the table was higher even than the highest mountaintop that existed. So to our prayer and our personal relationship with Hashem reaches higher and higher and higher depending on how much water is holding it up, is raising it up, how many challenges are preceding it and how many challenges we're dealing with at the time. And again, it's because this personal relationship that we cultivate in prayer only has true meaning when it's been preceded by challenge. Because that's when something becomes your own. That's when something becomes real. And that's when a relationship becomes, becomes meaningful. They always say that you haven't been... I've heard this quote. I don't know who says it. You haven't been married until you've had your first fight. Have you guys heard that quote before? I don't know where it comes from. Right? Like, you, you don't really have a relationship until you've actually gotten over something with somebody. Um, and, and that's the idea here as well. To have a true deep bond with Hashem, we have to have struggled for it and worked for it and earned it. And so the challenges are not in the way of our relationship with Hashem. They're the catalyst to the most infinite, powerful, and raised up relationship that we can have with Hashem. And we see that physically with what happened with the Teva. That the Teva, the Ark, rose up. The more water, the more flood water there was. So as we see, this corresponds, This is the idea of the conquering <coughs> sorry, of the Nefesh Abamit, of the animal soul. Al bechinat nefesh elokit over the godly soul, the esek aparnasa, the inyanim agashmiim. When dealing with making a living and with physical things, so we know that the as the waters got stronger, we said the ark was raised higher. As the challenges that come from the animal soul get stronger, our godly soul goes higher and higher and higher. If we're able to cultivate that relationship despite and with the challenges. However, through this, we have afterwards Yitron or Chulu, the advantage of light, as we mentioned, that comes from darkness specifically. 
וזהו, ותלך הטבע על פני המים. That's why it says in the verse, in our parsha, that the water went on the face of the water. דווקא, specifically. So the word פני, which means face or surface, is connected to the word פנימיות, in a dimension. Since the inner purpose of the waters was so that the world be purified and the ark become elevated. So to the פנימיות, in a dimension or inner intent of the animal soul, And worldly destructions is to purify and elevate the divine soul to a deeper connection to Hashem. And the uh, Al-Turba brings a famous example from the Tanya of the uh, animal soul. The example that there's a king who wanted to test his son. He wanted to test his son, the prince, because he will one day become the king. And so he hired a prostitute to try and, um, what's the word? Seduce, Seduce him. Um, to see would he be able to withstand this test or not. And so the altar compares the prostitute who comes to test the prince to the animal soul. The prostitute, as much as she's seducing the prince, doesn't want him to give in because she wants the prince to be successful in not giving in and becoming the king. So to the animal soul, as much as it's seducing us into going away from our service of Hashem, its true intent and desire is actually telling <coughs> us even closer to overcome the challenge and to become one and, and closer to Hashem. So that's, a, that's an, one of the interesting examples that the altar brings Um, for, for the animal soul. Its true desire and intent, which is concealed, is for us to have an even, even deeper connection with Hashem and to actually raise up our godly soul. So when we're able to see that through the challenges, see through the challenge all the way to the pnimiyot, so as it says, paneha ma'am, the face of the water, the inner dimension and aspect and potential of the challenge, we're able to rise up to a level we could never have reached without it. Okay, so we'll continue um, on... Sunday with this idea. I think we'll finish, let's see, we'll probably finish on Sunday or Monday, then we could do a bit of a summary. And I think that we're going to finish on time, so that's exciting. Any questions or comments? Good? Have a wonderful Shabbos. I, this was a very quick week. Very quick week.